Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's week four and a half, week five of college football, week four in the NFL, and we've got all the props, odds, promos, and parlays ready for you at BetOnline Sportsbook. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, with the link in the description to this episode, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of this podcast thing. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose. And we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. We have got a fantabulous freaking show coming at you today. It's Major League Baseball playoff time. Are you guys excited? I'm excited. I hope you guys are just as excited as well. Let's hit that Major League Baseball playoff intro. We got to travel to a galaxy far, far away to finish our Empire Strikes Back season in our Star Wars baseball universe. Episode 5. The Dodger Empire Strikes Back. After five days of battles, a perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose, Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, The Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth, pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their empire state along the eastern seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens, along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force. 
Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all. Ah, yes. We have traveled to the galaxy far, far away. It's been a minute since we've talked about Major League Baseball. One of the things I've realized is that doing three episodes a week now instead of five episodes a week means some of the things we maybe used to talk about, like a baseball update or having a guest like Bob Nightingale, whoever it may be, we just we haven't had as much time to uh, to work through baseball stuff. And so baseball has fallen by the wayside, but no longer shall baseball fall by the wayside because it's time for some playoff freaking baseball as we're recording this playoff baseball has started to get underway we have texas already beating toronto so just for the sake of of this podcast i know podcasts don't age well you might be listening however and whenever you so choose we're recording this in the afternoon on tuesday so playoff baseball is already into full swing like texas is already up 1-0 on tampa they pitched a shutout against them with, uh, I think it was Jordan Montgomery who was pitching today for uh, the Texas Ranger. Was it Jordan Montgomery or Mike Montgomery? I'm trying to remember which uh, Montgomery pitches for Texas and which one pitches for St. Louis. But Texas ended up winning 4-0 against Tampa. And right now the Twins are up 3-0 on Toronto, now putting themselves potentially one game away from being the first AL Central team to advance in a playoff series since 2016. It would be such a big deal if they were able to pull it off. And for the for the sake of the the Minnesota Twins, Pablo Lopez has been excellent and you know how, like, uh, if you're an NBA fan, like, everyone is saying, like, how even the Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis trade is, or maybe I'm just too in the weeds in Sacramento to necessarily say that. But in the NFL, people talk about how the Bills and Vikings pulled off one of the most even trades in the history of the NFL. In fact, we did an entire podcast back in 2022 on this exact topic, the Bills trading Stephon Diggs, or acquiring Stephon Diggs, from the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for the 22 pick in the draft that became Justin Jefferson. Like, just absolutely one of the most even trades in the history of the NFL. Bills got a star receiver who, yes, they had to pay a lot of money for, but it wasn't actually that much money on his first contract. And was it just absolutely went... 
it, it was essential in the development of Josh Allen. Meanwhile, the Vikings replaced Stephon Diggs with an even better version of Stephon Diggs as their number one receiver and just continue to keep an offense surrounding we- uh, weapons around Kirk Cousins and supporting him as best as they possibly can. Uh, by the way, I just following up from something I said earlier, Jordan Montgomery is on the Texas Rangers and was their number one starter, which I guess made sense because Jordan Montgomery is a really good pitcher. So I would assume that he would be starting game one of a playoff series for Texas when they traded for him from St. Louis. But where I was going with that is like the Stefan Diggs for Justin Jefferson trade is like one of the most even in the history of the sport. And the Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis trade was one of the most even flips that we have. You know what was really, really even in baseball? Pablo Lopez going to the Twins, having a top seven Cy Young season, being the number one starter for the Twins in a playoff game against the Blue Jays where they're in the seventh inning right now. Lopez went six innings, no earned runs, three hits, Pablo Lopez being a true number one starter for a Twins team that has been desperate for a number one starter for so many years. Since Irvin Santana, they've gone to Jose Barrios and hoping that he would be a number one starter. And then they traded him to Toronto at the end of that contract because everything fell apart for the Twins. Then they brought in Sonny Gray hoping he would be something. They traded for Chris Paddock from the Padres. They've been desperate for a top end starting starting pitcher, and they got their number one with Pablo Lopez. The only problem is it ended up costing them the batting champ from last season and the guy who went to the Minnesota from the Twins to the Marlins and ended up having an even better season batting 350, and that's Luisa Rise. Luisa Rise was the person they traded for Pablo Lopez. It was a one-for-one swap. Luisa Rise for Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez is going to finish like sixth in the Cy Young Award voting. Luisa Rise is going to finish like sixth in the MVP voting in the National League. Luisa Rise is the best hitter on a Marlins team that could not hit for shit the last three years. Like 2021 and 2022, the thing that kept the Marlins from building upon that playoff appearance that they had in 2020, where they beat the Cubs in this very round, in this wild card round during the pandemic season. The Marlins beat the Cubs. People forget about that. The Marlins won a playoff series in 2020. The thing that kept the Marlins from repeating in the playoffs in 21 and in 22 was that they just could not hit. And they traded Pablo Lopez at the time their number three starter. But if Pablo Lopez had been on this year's Marlins team, he would have been their number one starting pitcher. They flipped Pablo Lopez in exchange for Luisa Rise, and it became the foundation of everything the Marlins did to get to this exact game. And what's so funny is that in this wildcard weekend, or this wildcard week, because I know it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in this wildcard week, you have the Miami Marlins and the Minnesota Twins essentially in the same position, which is going into three-game wildcard series that they maybe didn't expect to be in at the start of the season. You could say the Twins had expectations to win the division at the start of the year, but they had been pretty bad the last two seasons. They had fallen off a cliff. They were sellers at the last trade deadline. The Twins came into this year, and yes, they won their division, but we've joked like the AL Central is they just had to put someone in in the playoffs. And so the Twins were hosting this playoff series. The Twins are playing at home. And Minnesota is an underdog 
in their series against Toronto, a team that won more games than the Twins, and a team that is, for the most part, a team people think has a chance to win the World Series in the American League. Like, I know the American League is kind of split down the middle between, like, four teams, all of whom have an equal chance of winning the American League, but Toronto is kind of right in that mix, and Toronto playing Houston in the second round, or the ALDS would be fantastic, but... Toronto's favored going into the series against the Twins. Phillies are favored going into the series against the Marlins. The Marlins and Twins both probably didn't expect to be in this exact position, especially in a American League that had Cleveland, who took the Yankees to a five-game series last year in the ALDS, and had, this year, the Yankees falling out of the playoffs altogether... The Twins didn't expect to necessarily be in this position. The Marlins certainly didn't expect to be the fifth seed in the Ameri- in the National League playoffs over teams such as San Diego, New York Mets, Chicago Cubs, San Francisco Giants. Certainly didn't expect to be in that position if you're the Miami Marlins. And both of them have been led by an offseason acquisition that looks like it's going to go down as one of the most even trades in Major League Baseball. So shout out to you, Pablo Lopez. As of recording, six shutout innings, looking like he's going to carry the Twins to their first playoff victory of two that they need to get past the Toronto Blue Jays and advance. And by the way, as I just said that, The Blue Jays hit a home run to score their first run of the game. Like, as I'm saying the praises of Pablo Lopez, the Blue Jays end up getting, well, I guess it was a a RBI by Alejandro Kirk on the double, but they still had, or sorry, Kevin Kiermeyer RBI, but they were still just that close. They were that close after Pablo Lopez dominated for six innings of the game. They had a shutout, and now the Blue Jays just scored a run, and I'm sure Pablo Lopez is going to get pulled after this because he was already at 90-some-odd pitches. But shout-out to you, Pablo Lopez. Dominant performance by the Minnesota Twins starter. Dominant performance by Luisa Rise in the regular season as the focal point of a Miami Marlins team that will probably get smoked by the Philadelphia Phillies. But the fact that the Marlins are here is a celebration in and of itself because the Beginning of the season, imagine saying the Marlins would finish better than the Mets. Imagine a world where the Marlins finish better than the Mets, and the best player on either team, either the Mets or the Marlins, the best player on both teams would be Luis Arise. So shout out to you. I don't want to do the let's preview each playoff series because by the time most of you are listening to this like all the first games have already been played and all the analysis is thrown out the window baseball is random their playoffs are random so let's take a look at that random playoff this year we've been saying for months now like the um, the american league is like four teams that all have an equal chance of winning that thing and what's so interesting is that two of those teams texas and tampa are now playing each other in the first playoff series like they, if you watch the broadcast for the American League playoffs, like they were emphasizing how Texas fumbled the bag in the fact that they were in first place from April until October, and then on the last day of the season, they fumbled the bag, and the Houston Astros ended up winning the division with the exact same record as Texas. Like Texas, all season long, was one of the two best teams in the American League, was probably going to get to host a playoff series against... Houston 
Because Houston was looking like they were going to be the sixth seed. Houston would have gone in and beat the crap out of the Twins, just like they did in 2020. And then they would have gone to play Texas in a series that I was really hoping would happen in the DS. Like, five games would have been a perfect length of series for Houston against Texas. And even though Texas doesn't have Max Scherzer anymore, both of those teams have been just doing a impeccable Spider-Man meme of each other for about the last three uh, months of the season. And so I was super excited to watch Houston play Texas. Texas fumbled the bag at the end of the season, and you look at a team fumbling the bag at the end of the season and being like, oh no, look at what's going to happen to Texas now. They just gave up. They they peaked at the right at the wrong time, and now they just gave up the division to Houston, and now Houston's going to beat the brakes off them and blah, blah, blah. Well, here's what that situation turned into for Texas. And I think they might have just spun this into a win, and I'm not just saying it because Jordan Montgomery pitched a shutout against the Tampa Bay Rays. The reason I bring this up is that, one, Texas does not have to play Houston now. Would that have been a super even matchup? Yes. Do I think Houston had the upper hand? Also, yes. Even if the series was hosted by Texas, I think Houston would have the upper hand based on the fact that they are in this weird Star Wars universe, like the clone army that just keeps replacing players who were stars of championship teams. Replace, replace, replace. We're going to find options through our developmental system that are basically like a machine, a baseball machine that has essentially been the dynasty built off of tanking and built off of analytics and built off of firing everyone within the organization, tailoring each minor league system to benefit each other and through the use of numbers and analytics and aligning your minor league organizations, creating a baseball machine that took away the Yankees' birthright to championships. That's what the Astros have built over the last 10 years, and I've been so fascinated by them for so many years. But essentially, the Astros are the team that has... Players who have been to the playoffs before won a World Series last year and would be playing against an upstart Texas team that did have a difficult back end of the season. Now, Texas gets to avoid Houston until potentially the ALCS. Meanwhile, Houston, who's now in the division series, will have to play either the Twins or the Blue Jays, a series they probably win, but it isn't like playing Texas in the DS. What Texas gets awaiting them, assuming they can... What Texas has waiting for them is one, a Blue Jays team that since May has been a below 500 team. Like since the middle of May, the Blue Jay, the, the Rays have been a below 500 team. Their pitching staff was dealt a couple of big injuries that have impacted their season, especially to their number one starter whose name is escaping me right now. It's not Aaron Savali. It's not Tyler Glass now. I am really upset that I can't remember the Tampa Bay Rays starting pitcher who got injured as I google it right now I am so upset with myself that I cannot remember who the starting pitcher is for the Tampa Bay Rays McClanahan Shane McClanahan who had to have Tommy John surgery so losing McClanahan was a big time loss for Tampa Bay Uh, we don't want to I don't want to dive into the Wander Franco stuff because the Wander Franco when that story came out it was one of those things where I was like this is an interesting story let's see if we can find enough research and enough evidence to do a long-form episode. And what I learned very quickly is that you have a really complex case of Wander Franco having girls 
underage girls coming forward to uh, talk about grooming situations with Wander Franco. There's, there's allegations from multiple women and multiple girls that are being investigated by this. Like it's a situation that I don't know if there's enough reliable information to even break down. So just like everything that's happening with Wander Franco is also going on on the side there. A story that really hasn't been covered much within baseball circles. And I kind of understand why. Baseball media is not equipped to handle these types of situations that began with social media posts and then have evolved into multiple detailed accounts of grooming situations by Wander Franco, uh, uh, governments investigating, like governments in America and in what I believe is the Dominican Republic, as I believe where Wander Franco is from, like people from multiple governments who are investigating this case. There's just a lot there and one that I don't think we could reliably dive into with enough information. Uh, Yeah, Dominican Republic is where he's from. But like everything that's happening there, Tampa Bay has essentially been a below 500 team. I'm sorry I meant to derail that. I don't know how to grab the rails and swing it back the right side. But yeah, Wander Franco, everything that's happening there is gross. And Tampa Bay has been a below 500 team. Uh, Let's just do this. Transition, 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 transition. Okay, there we go. Awkward transition back in play. Good. Tampa Bay has been a below 500 team since May. Shane McClanahan had to have Tommy John surgery. This is a team that Texas is better than. The odds suggested that Texas was better than them. I believe Texas was a minus 190 favorite going into this series. So even though Tampa Bay has been the four seed and Texas has struggled the back end of the season, this is a team that Texas on paper is better than and has proven since April that they're better than. And now they get to play Baltimore, a team that admittedly, I will say, I know is very good, but a team that I also recognize is one in the same position as Texas and two, a team that I'm getting ready to discover this week once they start playing playoff games, potentially against Texas. Because I don't really know all that much about the Toronto, about the Baltimore Orioles. I've only watched two of their games this season. I have not gotten uh, much view of any of their players because most of their players, this is the first team that they're playing for. I mean, I know Cedric Mullins, who's obviously been an all-star in, a pa- in the past, but I wasn't watching those crappy Orioles games. Like the What's different about Texas is I've seen Corey Seager play in big games before. I've seen Marcus Semien play for years and years and years. I've seen what Nathan Evaldi can do. He was a World Series MVP years ago. Well, I guess a CS MVP. He was ALCS MVP, but Nathan Nathan Evaldi was one of the World Series MVPs for the Boston Red Sox. Like, I've seen these Texas players before. What Texas essentially did is, if we spend X amount of dollars in X amount of places, we can build a strong team. Hell, even Jordan Montgomery was pitching playoff games for the Yankees a couple years ago. Like, I've seen these players for Texas before. I've been seeing what they've done this season. Texas has been on TV a couple times. I've popped in and watched. But I've seen all these players before, and they have have a long reputation of success. Baltimore does not have that. This will be the first playoff game for, I believe, 16 of the players on the Baltimore Orioles roster. 
and one of them is uh, one of those non-playoff people is Jack Flaherty as a starting pitcher who I believe has started in two playoff games before and both ended quite poorly for him. Um, I think it was two years ago, or no, it was four years ago now that he was pitching against the Braves, and I believe he was the starter who the Braves scored 10 runs off of in the first inning of a winner-go-home game five back in the DS. Like, this is a situation where uh, Baltimore is a fresh team that I don't know what to deal with, and I think that that fares better for Texas than it does Texas. I mean, they'll be underdogs in the series. Don't get me wrong. Like, all the numbers suggest they'll be underdogs in the series. Texas will be against Baltimore. But Texas against Houston, despite how evenly matched those two teams are on paper, that's a series that you lean Houston because you know what Houston's capable of. I think for Texas, they would rather play Baltimore than play against Houston at this stage of the game. So Texas losing out on the division might end up getting spun into a roundabout victory for them is a funny way of thinking about that. So I'm curious to see what happens with Texas in that respect. Uh, We already talked about the Marlins and Phillies. Uh, The reason I'm so interested in the American League is because it feels like there's so much parity at that point. Like, the National League doesn't get interesting until we get to Braves-Dodgers. Like, the the D-backs-Brewers series, I like, as fun as the D-backs are, I love Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and his purple hair and everything that was fun about the Diamondbacks this year. And I think it's cool that in a year that the Padres and Mets, uh, sorry, the, the... The San Diego Resistance and Master Cohen's Met Army, as we call them in our Star Wars universe, in a year that Master Cohen and his Met Army have struggled and that the San Diego Resistance was uh, having their return, uh, their Empire Strikes Back moment where the, the Dodger Empire put them to rest, that the backs of Diamond, pillaged by years of Dodger dominance, the backs of Diamond came back around and had their successful run. And what's so interesting about that is Arizona has been a fun story, and they're a classic six seed who, even though Brandon Woodruff is out now for the Milwaukee Brewers, I do think the Brewers are probably going to run through that series. And what's the reward for the Brewers? They'll get boat raced by the Dodger Empire. And what's the reward for the Diamondbacks? They'll get boat raced by the Dodger Empire. So even if this series does have some interesting, entertaining storylines, I think all of this is just setting up for the Diamondbacks to or the Diamondbacks or Brewers to get smoked out the building by the Dodgers in three games. And then on the other side of the bracket, like I if there's a series I feel most confident in right now, it's the Phillies over the Marlins. Like that's the one I feel the best about is that the Phillies will win that. And Phillies Braves will come back on Monday and talk about Phillies Braves. Like that's the series that's super exciting. I'm really fascinated to watch that. And I think a lot of it is just because the Phillies played the Braves in that exact round last year in the NLDS and the Phillies put it to the Braves, won the series, I think in four games. And I think they were up 2-0. I think they won both games in Atlanta. Like the Phillies didn't just beat the Braves last year. They kicked the Braves ass. And so I think Phillies and Braves is an interesting secondary matchup before we get to Braves-Dodgers, 
But you're kidding yourself if you think the Braves aren't going to be favored in that series. But who knows? Playoff baseball's weird and random. The Braves have been branded chokers now, despite the fact that they won the championship a couple years ago. But I guess it's just hard to get up for the National League until the ALCS or the NLCS. Meanwhile, I look at the American League and I'm like, well, now that we take out Tampa and now that we potentially take out the Twins, like, do all of these teams have an equal chance? Like, could Toronto go down 0-1 to the Twins and still make it to the ALCS? Like, the American League looks wide-ass open, whereas in the National League, there's like two and a half good teams. We've been saying all year there's two and a half good teams. So I guess it's harder for me to get up for the National League. But Diamondbacks-Brewers will be an evenly matched series. I think Zach Gallen's about to pitch in Game 1, which if you're listening to this podcast, sorry, the game is already over at this point, unfortunately. But I think Zach Gallen is going to be... No, it's not Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen's going to be the Game 2 starter for the uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But besides the point, like... I, I, Diamondbacks Brewers is going to be a fun matchup to watch head to head, but at the same time, both of those teams are going to get boat raced by the Dodgers. So unless it's an entertaining, the I'll, here's what I'll say: since the game's about to start in ten minutes, Diamondbacks Brewers is the series that I'm going to scoreboard watch to see if it's interesting. If I look up and it's three zero in the fourth inning and the Brewers are ahead, I'll skip that game. I'll come back around if it's close, like if we get to the seventh and it's one to one. But, like, I've been fixated on... I watched all of that Rangers-Rays game. Now, part of it is I was watching Rangers and Rays while also doing a radio show at Sacktown Sports, which, by the way, you can check me out on the radio three times a week, sometimes four times a week, but you can check me out on the radio. And we also have the fun game where the... Toronto Blue Jays and Minnesota Twins have been three to one, and Pablo Lopez has been pitching a dominating or pitched a dominating performance. He's now out of the game. They're in the bottom of the seventh. But D-backs Brewers will be where I draw the line. I'll take a, a quick pause on D-backs Brewers and come back around to see what happens. And even though I think the Phillies are going to beat the crap out of the Marlins, I'm still interested to watch what happens in that series. So D-backs Brewers is what I'll call the fourth series out of four on this MLB playoff docket. So I'm excited to see what happens. And the American League excites me more than the National League until we get to the NLCS. When it gets to Dodgers and Braves, that's when I'm going to turn around and feel some pretty nice excitement. So I'm going to call it there, flip on some playoff baseball. Hopefully we didn't have any takes that aged incredibly poorly, other than saying for a couple minutes that Pablo Lopez was pitching a shutout. And then while we were recording, he gave up a run on a uh, Kiermaier RBI. But besides that point, we're going to have a lot of fun watching baseball, and I hope you guys are enjoying it too. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. Leave a five-star review if you're new to the show, if you're a big baseball Star Wars nerd like we are, and you uh, enjoyed baseball as a kid and have just experienced diminishing returns ever since, just like people who enjoy Star Wars. If you like baseball in the same nerdy way that we like baseball, give us a follow, give us a five-star review, shoot us a message in the com- uh, in the reviews Uh, I read all the reviews, even the mean ones, but thank you for all of those who write the nice reviews at the same time. So enjoy some playoff baseball. We'll be back at it tomorrow. And in the meantime, take it easy. Episode 5. 
the Dodger Empire strikes back. After five days of battles, a perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose, Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, the Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth, pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner, while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their Empire State along the eastern seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens, along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim, who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force. Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.